Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Brilliant Squad. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance. If you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Monique Malcolm, and the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast is a show for creative people who want to create their own opportunities and make money by leveraging their ideas, their talents, and their skills, because that's what I call pimping your brilliance. And it goes down here every single week with inspiring interviews, as well as solo shows where I share bits and pieces of my own journey and actionable tips that you can apply to your own creative business. Before we jump into today's episode, I just have a few housekeeping notes that I want to go over. First off, have you grabbed the Find Your Genius Zone guide? If you have not, then you need to get it. Because if you are stuck trying to figure out what skills or talents you can monetize, where your natural talents lie, what exactly you're expert enough to teach someone else, this resource was made for you. It's full of exercises and questions to help you pinpoint a few of those things And it's super easy to get. All you have to do is text the word brilliant to 33777. So 33777. Text brilliant and you'll get a text message with instructions on how to get your free guide. The second thing that I want to let you know is that the Brilliance Lounge is open to new members. The Brilliance Lounge is a learning community for creatives who want to stop dreaming about generating revenue and start monetizing their brilliant ideas. Basically, those of you who are ready to pimp your brilliance, you need to be over in the Brilliance Lounge because I'm bringing my in-the-trenches expertise plus everything I've learned working with my coaching clients together into the Brilliance Lounge. The Brilliance Lounge will teach you how to turn your ideas into digital products and manage your creative business without being overwhelmed. It's the guidance that you've been looking for plus the community of support you need to get you to the finish line. Inside of the Brilliance Lounge, you'll have access to my signature product creation system, Pimp Your Idea, which will help you plan, create, and sell your first digital product, a private community to share, collaborate, ask questions, and seek feedback, live office hours where you can join me once a month for a live Q&A session. There's virtual events that happen all month long to help you stay accountable, implement your ideas, and connect with other members inside of the community. So things like book club, there are virtual co-working days, community mixers, etc., etc. There's a lot of other fun perks that I don't want to mention now because it's getting long, but it's time for you to stop second guessing yourself. It's time for you to stop procrastinating and it's time for you to stop making excuses. If you're ready to stand out in your expertise, shine online and leverage your brilliant brain to grow your creative business, I'm ready to show you how. So let's make it happen inside of the Brilliance Lounge. For more information and full membership details, you can go to pimpyourbrilliance.com backslash lounge. Seriously though, if you have been thinking about launching some type of digital product and you can't quite get yourself to the finish line, I highly recommend that you join the Brilliance Lounge sooner rather than later because right now there is a special founding members rate and that will be increasing once the course and everything is fully locked and loaded in the community. So just an FYI for those of you who are on the fence. But anyway, let's talk about today's episode because this episode required quite a bit of research 
because I pride myself on being able to break things down and simplify things. And for this particular episode, it it was spurred from a lot of different things, mainly some of the emails that I get from people where they're asking about how to start blogs and things of that nature, but mostly because I feel like a lot of new creatives are stalling out too early in the process. And a part of it is because I don't think that they understand some basic business things. So particularly for this episode, we're talking about blogs, brands, and business models. And I think that these are words that are scary. They're very business jargony. (laughs) That's why I had to do so much research so that I could come up with a good understanding so I could explain it to you and and uh, and it be able to explain it to you in a way that doesn't use too much business jargon. But I really think that if people understood out the gate what a blog was and its purpose, what a brand is and its purpose, and a business model and its purpose, they would be able to get to the finish line a lot faster because I think it makes things a lot clearer. In terms of where you should be spending time, money, energy in the early stages of your creative business, a lot of new people are wasting a lot of time fretting over things that they really shouldn't be fretting over, like a logo. I think having a logo is great, and if you can afford it and you have a great graphic designer who can design one for you, it's wonderful. It's a great part of your overall branding, but is it 100% necessary on the ground floor. Nope. And do you know why? A lot of times when we start out, we end up changing those things anyway within the first year or so because you learn so many things early on and you get a better understanding of your customer and what they're looking for and what they're looking for aesthetically. And so you end up changing logos and brand colors and fonts and all of these other things. But for this episode, I really want to break down what a blog is, a brand is, and a business model is in an effort to help you, one, start generating money quicker, and two, just putting your limited resources, your money, your time into more important places and kind of trimming the fat so that you can start creating a profitable business as soon as possible, or sooner rather than later, should I say. So let's talk about blogs. And when I say blogs, I want to say this up front. I'm using the word blog because I like the word, the alliteration with the B's, blog, brand, business model. But when I I say blog, I'm not only talking about bloggers. Your blog is really just a platform. So this can apply to podcasts, your YouTube channel. If you're one of those video game live streamers on Twitch, if you are somebody who mainly did some type of other live stream platform, like whatever your main platform is, that's what I'm talking about when I say blog. Just as an FYI, for those of you who may be like, well, I don't have a blog, so this doesn't apply to me. It does. If you have a podcast, a YouTube channel, whatever your main place that you're sending people to or trying to attract people from, that's your platform. Okay, so when we talk about blogs, your blog is not your business model. And if you hold on a sec, I will explain what a business model is a little bit later on in the show. But for majority of businesses, your blog is not your moneymaker. It is a discovery tool. It's similar to a billboard on the interstate. Its goal is to notify potential ideal clients of what it has to offer. So if you think about needing to get gas for your car, if you're driving on the interstate, you see a billboard that lets you know at the next exit, if you make a left, 
you can get off and you can get gas. That's useful. Anyone who needs gas is probably going to stop there. And all that billboard did was notify that driver that they had the gas that they're seeking. So your blog does something similar on the internet, whether it's through SEO or Pinterest or social media, sending traffic back. The person who is visiting your blog is getting a sense of, can you help me with this problem that I have? Yes or no. So that's really what your blog or your platform is doing. It's just letting people know that you have an answer or a solution for the problems that they're searching for. One mistake that I find many creatives are making is that thinking that their blog is the business model, that their blog is the moneymaker. And I get plenty of emails from people asking all the time about how to start a blog, but very few people ask me how to create or sell an actual product or service. And that tells me that they don't understand the blog is not what makes you money. If you're blogging without some type of an offer or a service or product for sale, it's like having a billboard advertising a gas station. But then when you get there, the gas station doesn't have any gas. So it's essentially not useful for the driver because they've gotten off this exit looking for gas and they can't find it. And in that case, they go on to the next place. So that's why when you're a blogger or whatever platform you're using, I tell people all the time, you don't have to wait a specified amount of time to offer some type of product or service or solution for sale. You can start your blog or your platform today and have a product for sale already today. The caveat here is you have to be expert at something. You have to have a position, a solution, something that you're offering to help somebody with. I'm not saying launch a ultimate course on blogging if you barely know the ins and outs of blogging. I'm saying if you have a certain skill, let's say you are a copywriter, you're excellent at copywriter. These are skills you've developed over the years, and now you want to start a side business and branch out on your own. It's perfectly fine to launch your site and your copywriting services at the same time. You don't have to wait. And it doesn't even have to be an example as extreme as copywriting. It can be something like you could totally do a podcasting course if you've been podcasting for several months and you've put together some really cool processes and workflows that you think could streamline the process for other people and you haven't seen anything else like that online, by all means, launch that. But just make sure that whatever it is that you are eventually going to offer for sale or your product is actually solving a problem and it's useful and you are qualified enough to sell that to somebody or help somebody with that. So let's move on to brand. And I'm going to give you this very convoluted definition of what a brand is before we talk about a more simplified version. So here's one version of what the word brand means when I looked up the definition. It is the idea or image of a specific product or service that consumers connect with by identifying the name, logo, slogan, or design of the company who owns the idea or image. I just read that sentence and it made my head spin a little bit. And this is kind of like the thing about trying to read businessy text and stuff like that. It's, it's so convoluted. But when I, the, the premise of that statement is just thinking about some of the big name companies we know, brands like Apple, Uber, and Google, these brands have become so strong. They're household names, and we even associate specific 
actions with the brand. So for example, when you are searching for something on your computer, most of the time people are saying, go Google it. Very few people are saying, well, go open up your browser and do a search. We instantly associate the word search or the action of searching with Google. And so now that brand is essentially a verb, Googling. Same thing as like things like a Kleenex. Sometimes people are like, oh, get me a Kleenex. And they're not necessarily referring specifically to the brand of Kleenex. They want a tissue. But that name has become so synonymous with the Kleenex brand and the tissues that we are using that word even when it's not necessarily associated with that brand. And that's some very, very strong like brand awareness. And that comes at like early adopters. There's a whole thing I don't want to get into. But all of that to say, let's talk about the simplified version. I found this over on successwise.com. It was an article written by Alan Dibb. And I really like this because it was simple and to the point. He said, a brand is the personality of a business. And I like that. And he compared it to a person. Like if you think about a person. So if you think about a brand's personality, you should be able to answer like the who, what, when, where, why type deal of it. So thinking about the, um, the brand name would be like the person's name. Um, the way that person dressed, that would be like the brand design. So it's the different things that we associate with a brand. What are their core values? What are the things that they believe in? What are causes they support? So the thing about a brand is a lot of new businesses think that they need to start out with this really well-developed brand. But the thing is, in the beginning, you just need to focus on sales. The best way to build a brand is to sell. It's to close deals. It's to hustle and get your products on shelves. It's to just sell. Like that, that is the best way to build your brand because you don't need to spend a lot of money on brand awareness in the beginning stage because nobody knows what your brand is. What you need to spend money on is getting people to buy into your brand by purchasing your products. So actually, I think that brand awareness comes over time and it comes as your company starts to establish itself in the market. So you don't necessarily need to worry about having this uber fancy brand with all of these things mapped out in the beginning. I'm, I'm not your guru, but I am going to say maybe you can skip that. Maybe you can just worry about the heavy branding later on. I think for brand purposes, if you have your brand name that you feel good about, you have some colors that you feel communicate what your brand is about and some nice fonts to start out with and a nice website, a nice web presence, I think you are good to go. You are out out the gate with a strong start. So don't worry about trying to impress upon people with like all of these other fluffy things. They don't need to know that at the beginning stage. Like core values and stuff like that, that's stuff that I think that you can know, but I don't think that you need to sell your company on your customers on that in the early stages. Think about a brand like Tom's. Like now we're all, we've all bought into this whole idea that Tom's gives, you know, has a one for one model where they're giving one pair of shoes to like an underprivileged, I don't know if it's specifically children or if it's just people, but um, we've bought into that. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy these shoes and I'm going to do good. But when Tom's was like a no name and 
they were barely selling their shoes and they weren't in anybody's stores, that part didn't really matter. All that mattered was they could sell these shoes. So, you know, take with that what you want. But I think that you can take some of the pressure off yourself in the early stages and not worry so much about branding and just focus on selling. So now let's come to the meat and potatoes of this episode, business models. And I'm actually going to spend quite a bit of time talking about business models only because there's a tool that I suggest that you use to help you with the business model. And it could be, it was complicated. Some of the language that they're using was too much. And so I took it upon myself to simplify it for you and make it, I feel like, more creative, business-friendly. So I want to go over some of those parts. But before we do that, let's talk about business model. A business model is a company's plan for making a profit. That's usually what people think about right out the gate. Like your business model is how you make money. And that is true. However, there's more to it than that. It also identifies the products or services that your business sells, the target audience, the expenses that it anticipates. Your business model should also talk about how you are going to reach customers, people or key relationships that are going to help you grow the business, all of that. So it's not just specifically focused on how you make money. It's encompassing the business as a whole. And this is why I said your blog is not your business model. You can have a blog and you can write on that blog every single day, but that does not mean you're going to make any money. But if you have a business model and you're clear on who your customers are, how you help them, how you reach them, how you distribute your product to them, that's how you make money, by knowing the answers to those questions. Blogging every day is not helping you answer those questions. And honestly, when you have your business model, it probably is a a really great starting point in how much do you even need to blog or how much you need to podcast and what type of things you should be covering and how you should be leveraging that to grow your business. So with the business model, one thing that I suggest that you do, and I've been doing this myself for a couple of months and I really like it. It's a really great tool. It's simple to use once you understand all the sections and that is a business model canvas. You can Google business model canvas and there's tons of examples. There's tons of templates for it. There's video explainers. Like there's no shortage of information about business model canvases. It's a very popular tool. And essentially, it's like a one-page business plan. So if you have never created a business plan, I suggest that you do a business model canvas because it's all done on one sheet. And the idea is that it helps you really figure out, is an idea viable? Can you really deliver on this? And it, it cuts through all the fluff, all the unnecessary information to just the core things that you need to know in order to test out an idea or get your creative business up and running. So a business model canvas is consists of nine sections, and I'm going to go over the nine sections with a little bit of um, information and even a few examples to help you understand these sections better. So this is where it gets kind of technical. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on one and a half speed, maybe you just want to put it back on regular speed so that you can absorb the information a little bit. And I don't know if anybody else like listens to podcasts on one and a half speed, but I do. 
so that way I can get through more of them in a short period of time. I'll also link in the show notes to related examples that I have found useful. There's one video that's like that uses Legos as the business that made a lot of sense to me when I watched it for the first time. And I think that maybe that would be useful to you. So it'll be in the show notes. So pimpybrilliance.com backslash six eight is what you need to look for if you want all the details about the business model canvas. But anyway, here we go. So section number one is customer segments. That is essentially asking, who do you help? So this is the different pieces of your audience. So let's just say you are a podcaster and you podcast for creative entrepreneurs. Great. But there could be other subsets of people within that audience. But essentially your customer segments, these are the people who you are creating value for. So there could be multiple different types of people who would listen to this podcast. And your job as a business owner is to figure out who those people are. Those would be your customer segment. So the second section is your business's value proposition. That is essentially saying, what do you do? When you think about value proposition, you need to think about the exchange of value between your business and your customer. So a more simplified way to look at that is, You provide value for your customer by solving a problem for them. And once you solve their problem or offer a solution, they give you money. That's that value exchange. So really, what do you do? Let's use the Brilliance Lounge, which I talked about earlier in this episode. So with the Brilliance Lounge, the value that I would be exchanging would be information on how to create and launch a digital product. Solving the problem of people who, one don't know where to start with that, or two, maybe need some accountability because they have started, but they're not good finishers, or they have more questions and don't want to do it by themselves. That's the value exchange. That's what people would be paying me for. So you have to think about for your particular business, how are you creating value for your customers? Number three, the third section is channels. So how do you reach them? How do you reach your customers? So this is the places that your customers are going to come in contact with you. So things like social media. If you were a public speaker at a conference, your potential clients could meet you there. Email, email marketing, trade shows. If you were a product seller through advertisements. So think about like Facebook ads or Google search ads or promoted pins. These are all the channels, places that customers could potentially come in contact with you. So for the segments, You're just answering the question, how do you reach your intended audience? Number four, customer relationships. This is how do you interact with them? So how or where do you interact with people? So it could be online, events, phone, face-to-face. Those are just a few examples, but that is just all about how do you interact with them? And for online businesses, most often it's going to be online. But, you know, if you have clients, maybe you are meeting clients face-to-face. I do consulting with my local gym here, and I do meet face-to-face with them a couple of times a month to talk to them about marketing and some of the graphic design work I do for them. So that is a way that I build a relationship with customers by meeting them face-to-face. Number five, and I think the one that we are all most focused on, is revenue streams. How will you make money? 
So this is really talking about how your business converts its solution to your customer's problem into financial gain. We talked about that earlier with the value exchange or the value proposition. How are you taking your your customer's pain point and converting that into money for yourself? So here's an example that's not related to online business. My dad is a truck driver. He gets paid to haul loads of freight across the country. So his customer is the food supplier. And it can be sometimes he has like potatoes that he's hauling or frozen goods. It's whatever. They're coming from either the farms or it's coming from like the manufacturing plant. His customers are the food suppliers and their pain is that they need to get their goods to grocery stores across the country quickly to avoid spoilage. So my dad has turned the food suppliers pains into financial gain by charging them a fee to move their freight. So that is an example of a revenue stream. He is being paid a fee for his services. For taking that, those potatoes and delivering them to whoever they need to go to at the end. So a couple of examples of revenue models, it can be fee for service, a subscription revenue model. So if you wanted recurring information, um, not information, if you wanted recurring income, you could do some type of subscription service. Freemium models are really popular. So if you think about a lot of apps, a lot of apps will let you in and give you free access to a certain amount of features, but put the best and premium features behind a paywall and make you pay for that, an in-app upgrade type deal, that's a freemium model. Pay per product, so that could be more like e-commerce, so selling t-shirts or selling planners. So those are all examples of potential revenue streams and revenue models. The sixth section is key activities. So how do you do it? So whatever it is that you're promising to do in your business, however you solve your customers' problems, those actions and activities that are required to deliver on your value proposition are your key activities. So as an example of that, I'm a podcaster and some of the key activities that I have to stay on top of, top of are things like content creation. So when I'm doing guest interviews, I have to be on top of contacting guests to set up these interviews and interviewing them, then these shows need to be edited. As a product creator, somebody who sells both physical and digital products, I have to be on top of idea development. I have to be on top of like the actual creation of the product. So these are key activities for me and my particular business. They could be different from you. As a service provider, let's say you're a graphic designer, your key activities could be uh, continuing education, if you know you're newish to it, but let's say you're a more established designer, the actual design work, like designing the websites, designing the graphics, whatever it is, those are your key business activities. And that follows with the next section, which is section seven, key resources. So what do you need? When we talk about resources, these are the resources that your business needs to complete the important action or activities of your business. So like the actual things that you need for it, for you to be able to complete your work. So going back to the podcaster example, a few key resources that I need to produce this podcast are things like internet. I cannot upload a show and have it sent out to you without internet. I need podcast hosting because that's where the show is stored and that also handles the distribution of this this episode. Um, electricity. 
if I don't have electricity for my computer, I can't record. I can't do anything with the show. So there are areas that I could cut corners. Let's say, for example, I don't necessarily need a fancy podcast mic. I could use something else like the earbuds of my phone, or I could record directly into my phone into like some type of audio app. But, um, you know, you have to decide for your business, what is a key resource and what is not maybe for you, a mic would be a key resource. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The whole point is that there are certain resources that your business needs in order to run and complete its work. And so those would be your key resources. So things like, um, if you were a graphic designer or like, let's say a web developer, whatever type of server or software that you need for building websites, that's a key resource for you. And you need to list that as something that's like an actual need on your business model canvas. Section eight is key partnerships. And so that is asking the question, who will help you? And when we talk about key partnerships, we're talking about companies, suppliers, people, that you may need to help you deliver value to your customer. So if your company can't achieve its value proposition alone, these are the partnerships that you'd rely on. And an example of this is my planner company, Keep Chasing the Stars sells the Visionary Journal. It's my original design, but I don't make the planners. I have partnered with another company to manufacture the actual planners. And so that company is a key partner for me. Uh, I can't fulfill orders. I can't fulfill wholesale orders. I can't scale without that relationship with that key partner. So your key partnerships are going to be whoever you would call on for help with delivering your value proposition. Your key partnerships could be other creative business owners. It is all going to fall back on your value proposition and your revenue models and ultimately this business model canvas. But um, think about your key partnerships. Who is going to help you do what you do. And then finally, the last one is cost structure. And that is what will it cost? And this is just, I feel like it's really self-explanatory, but it's the monetary cost of running your business. So what does it cost to run your business? What are the major cost drivers? So what are things that you are spending money on to run your business? Is it things like, um, for example, web hosting? Is it I don't know. There's so many different things. Is this particular software that's helping you do something? Is it like your scheduling software? There's, there's a lot of things that could influence cost. But the one thing you want to think about when you are looking at your cost structure is how are your costs linked to the money that you're generating? So for example, you don't want to be spending money on things that could be cut out because they don't actually help your bottom line as far as generating revenue or connecting with more of your customers. You probably want to get rid of those things in the early stages until you have more capital to go around. So as a quick recap, the nine segments of the business model canvas, customer segments, value propositions, channels, customer relationships, revenue streams, key activities, key resources, key partnerships, and the cost structure. And once again, I will put a link to this information in the show notes because I build out some notes for myself and I think that they would be useful to you if you want to do this business model canvas, which I highly suggest that you do. But yeah, this episode, whew, it's like 
it was kind of technical, but I really do feel like this will help some of you moving forward with really better understanding your business and what you're creating and what you do need right now and what you don't. So really quickly, your blog is your platform. It is a discovery tool that helps potential clients find you, whether that's through social media, search, whatever. It's just a place to let people know, like, I have solutions. I have ideas. I have thoughts about this thing that you're struggling with. Brand, it's the personality of your business. And remember, the best way to build a brand is to sell. You don't need to worry about spending a ton of money in the beginning on brand awareness. That will come over time as people begin to associate your brand with the thing that you sell. And then the final thing, business model, it is your company's plan for making profit. And it also includes things like what you're selling or the services you're providing, who your audience is, what kind of expenses your business is anticipating it may have, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope this episode was helpful. I know it was really technical, but I really do hope that you took something from this that you can apply. And if you have a new idea, please consider doing a business model canvas. If you have an idea that's in progress and you still have gaps and questions that you don't have answers to, business model canvas, (laughs) fill it out, see if it helps you figure out some of the issues that you're running into. I would love to know what you think about this episode. Send me a message on Instagram at Pimp Your Brilliance. You can also email me, hello at PimpYourBrilliance.com. I really want to know what you thought because as I told you a few episodes back, I do want to focus more on creating products and teaching you guys and and giving some insights into product creation, idea development, that type of thing because these are the things that I love and how I've been pimping my brilliance for years. So let me know what you thought about this episode. It helps me figure out Is this the right direction for content for this show? But that's it for now. Until next week, go out there and continue growing.